0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Pivot One Hundred and Eighty Weekly Boost. If this is your first time joining us, um, please know that our mission statement is to offer humanity locally and afar with a source of positive encouragement through life experiences and insight in an open-minded and welcoming platform. Please have an open mind, and uh, because we had some some really interesting topics on these episodes, and welcome to everybody. So today we have the pleasure of hearing from Catherine Just, and you're hailing in all the way from Los Angeles, California. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, so Catherine, you had chosen um, in a roundabout way as a topic as being art as medicine. And when you wrote in, you you said you know you, you had all these different life changes. I'm going to let you, uh, you know, share that here in a second, but you had the difficulties of raising a child with uh, Down syndrome, going through those those difficulties, and how you've pivoted your life through through art, and um, it's just really amazing reading your the bio that you sent in. So I'm gonna uh, let you share all that so you can have the um, add the ex the extra
1: you know <laughs> energy
0: with it. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your insight on this. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you had started off pretty. A pretty well rock bottom when you're about 18 um, from what I was reading is that correct
2: yeah I I, um, I had a crystal meth addiction um, and hit rock bottom luckily at 18 and I never went back so I've been sober ever since and um, and it's been 34 years now oh. I know
0: I know crystal meth is one of those ones that um, hits you really hard and can stick to pretty easily um, with that and really hard to get off and break away from that and for you to, to cut a, cut ties at 18 and, and never look back. Um, you obviously found something that has worked for you and found better things to keep you on the, right, on the path to um, stay clear of that.
2: Yeah, you know, I started with drinking at 13 to deal with anxiety really and to fit in, feel like I fit in because I felt a little bit like an alien creature. I don't know if anybody else in junior high remembers that feeling but it took that edge off and I and I appreciated what alcohol did but it led to it was like a doorway opening the things that I never knew I would do and crystal meth was not on the list but after drinking uh, my value system went out the window and then I started smoking pot and ended up doing crystal meth inside uh, by the time I was 16 years old so Luckily, for me, it was fast and furious, and by eighteen I was I was done. I, I really felt uh, I was so uncomfortable being here that I wanted to kill myself. And uh, the meth took the edge off until it didn't anymore. you know, So I did ask to go to treatment instead of going to college, and I got I went to treatment, moved out of town so I could be away, get away from everybody and start over. And then after I got sober, I went to art school. and that really started me learning how to be here without using to escape my feelings and learn how to use art as what I call art as medicine, as a, as a way to excavate and articulate stuff that I couldn't talk about. So it's been, I mean, I've been on that path for the last 34 years and now I teach it. So it's been a really extraordinary experience of learning how to stay. That's awesome. I love the term that you use,
0: excavating. So yeah, you have to dig into yourself and being accepting of yourself um, at that moment and what you're going to become. And you don't know necessarily what that's going to be. And for you to turn this around and teach others and help others through it, whatever they may be going through, I'm I'm sure it may not be the same thing. It may be the same thing, but just to know that that tool is there and to see um, the outcome of what may come of, you know, um, helping yourself and, and showing that yourself is worthy to, to help, um, better your life.
2: Yeah. You know what I find is so interesting that when you pick up your camera, which nowadays is your phone and you look through it, I feel like it helps you get out of your head and focus on what's present in in the moment. And even just for a nanosecond of that happening, it can flip a switch because you're no longer attached or as hooked by what's going on in your mind. And you can see the light that's wrapping itself around your life and then focus on all the things, all the miracles happening right in this moment that we tend to overlook. And that I feel is like having a spiritual awakening moment by moment by moment. And it can help, it has helped me to move out of my own version of hell (laughs) into, you know, and it's a constant, it's a, it's a practice. It's not perfection necessarily, because I think we can get addicted to listening to the negativity in our minds. So I'm still a work in progress. And I've, I've found that using art as a, Vehicle to shift my attention and my perception has been life-changing in so many ways. Yeah, I can totally relate with that. Like in the mornings,
0: I'll go to the beach and and take pictures. And you know, recently I've been able to um, trickle trickle sales through that, and that is through my phone too. And I like how you did the analogy of just um, awakening at each moment, and being present. I see. I had this thought is like, you know, I'll bring the ca- the camera with me or the phone with me when I'm taking these pictures while I'm trying to ground while I'm walking through. And I always think that I'm not being present by taking the pictures, but okay. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Is just being able to focus in on certain things and kind of forget everybody because during that time period, I don't text, I make sure I don't text or I don't respond to text or I don't check Facebook, that kind of thing.
2: So yeah, checking yeah, it out yeah. for a little bit. A lot of people say that, that photography is taking you out of the moment. And I think the opposite. I really think it can help me because my mind is busy. So it really can help me get really focused on what's happening.
0: Not only in the lens, but also
2: in your life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor for everything. Right. <laughs> change the, let's change the lens and <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of that. So you went to art school and then you, uh, you said you studied conceptual
2: photography. What is conceptual photography? Mainly conceptual work in general, art or photography is where it isn't just about creating the perfect landscape photo, but using the landscape to describe something. Um, it has more of an idea behind it than it does about just the subject matter. So if I was to say the concept behind my work is how I'm feeling right now, and how i'm feeling right now is confused i would try to create something visual to express that confusion it could be a landscape but it would be more intentional to find a landscape that expressed what confusion might look like or feel like so it could be a t- like a pile of tumbleweeds or something or it could be the crashing of waves or you know fill in the blank about what you're feeling if you're feeling isolated it might be a tree by itself on a you know on a hill and, and so we're looking to communicate, at least for me, conceptual photography has been about my emotional state and what's happening. I would call it my internal landscape um, and looking at it from the point of view of if I were to create something visual, what would it look like? What would I want it to feel like? What colors would be there or not? Is it black and white? Is it color? And am I in it? A lot of times I've, I've used self portraiture as medicine as well. Um, and the moving around in my images so that I have more, instead of being a still image, you can see my movement, which I think creates a mood too. So it's really like, I feel like I'm uh, excavating, like I said before, but investigating what could I say visually that is hard for me to articulate verbally so so conceptual photography and art is different for all artists that do it. But for me personally, it has a lot to do with what's going on in my relationships that I'm not talking about that I don't want to say out loud. <laughs> what's going on with me personally that um, my, I might be too insecure to say. And I find that when I can use art to say it, I'm at least processing it and being with it rather than trying to leave that part of me that's feeling those feelings. And in that, so there's a healing practice practice and process. And it. it might not change the situation, but at least I'm facing it from a new point of view.
0: Gotcha. That's, that
2: yeah, that's a different. I hope that made
0: sense. Yeah, I mean, to me it does, like, there's different things that you know resonate with different people, but yes, I totally understand that. And it's like a different way of communication, different language, um, but you know your language and whether it talks to somebody else or speaks to somebody else in a certain way, I guess it's it dependent on their mood too. Right. Right.
2: Right. Not all, you know, if you go into a gallery, sometimes we look at art and we're like, I don't get it. And sometimes we look at it and we don't get it, but we feel something, you know, I don't, and that actually saved my life in a certain aspect to have an artist doing work that I didn't understand, but felt a connection to it's a lifeline. It can. So for me, making the art and getting it out into the world is sort of like Getting out of the way to communicate with the people who need it. And it's not my job to figure out who that is. It's my job to just allow the inspiration to come through and get the work out into the world, period. And, and that's a whole other conversation about like how to get <laughs> past self doubt and your confidence in your art and your you know, other, other people are doing it better than you and all the all the conversations that go on in your head about why should I do it, who cares? Um, and that's actually a big part of what I teach in my classes too, is how to get out of your own way so that you can be used really to be of service to the person who needs the work.
0: Okay, and it's I know that we were talking a little bit before about the synchronicity and stuff, and I'm actually reading a book called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Oh. Um, he's actually not far from here where I'm at, um, about an hour and a half. But uh, yeah, it's talking about, you have to be aware of that other, that voice inside your head is being the objective uh, viewer to it. I, I might be getting it wrong. Yeah. Um, but knowing that that voice, you can quiet it down and you, for you to silence it and then be of a better service to others. Um, yeah,
2: so, yeah, yeah, I love that very much. Yeah, the, um, and that leads me to you know Miguel Ruiz, And we were talking about that a little bit before this call just about how when I had 10 years of recovery I found myself at a turning point just another kind of bottom not drinking or anything but just not feeling that great about myself in life and and I was introduced to Miguel Ruiz who wrote the four agreements and it changed my life and uh what I learned from him was that 98 percent of why we're suffering is because of what we're thinking and at first I was pissed about that like you don't know anything about me and my life and all these things happen to me and let's discuss. And, he, and so it's taken me time, but I do now see that the responsibility is on me to um, look at what I'm listening to and what I'm attached to about my story and, and let go of and forgive myself and move toward uh, stories that aren't based in assumption, uh, aren't based in taking things personally, all the things that the four agreements talks right. about and and I loved I I got I had the opportunity to apprentice with him and work in his office and help him run his power journeys and so I I was like deep in the bubble and and that along with the artwork I feel has been uh, life affirming in so many ways like I can't not infuse the toltec work which is what he's a toltec so I can't inf- I can't not talk about it it's the thing that turns me on more and it gets me wanting to make artwork about what's going on even more so um, because it's so fascinating the things that we're thinking that we we think we're right (laughs) about and we're using these thoughts as a, a a weapon towards ourselves pretty consistently and that and there's a way out I mean I think that's the good news is that there are tools Art is one and any path really, but the Toltec path spoke to me, but, but to be able to use anything, to be able to change your life around because of the way you think about everything, it still blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you had um, mentioned power journeys. What is a power journey?
2: Yeah, he called it a power journey. It's basically um, once you sign up for a power journey, I think my classes are power journeys too. It's basically when you're Um, available to take responsibility for your life in a different way and be teachable um, to uh, the energy. Like we would go to a place called Teotihuacan, Mexico, where the Toltecs used to live. And it says Teotihuacan is the place where man becomes God. And so what he's offering you by taking you through where the pyramids are, is an opportunity every single day to look at the life and the stories you've created and wake up from them, kind of like the matrix where you figure out you're actually Neo and, um, and that we're all Neo and change the story and awaken to the God that that is all of us. We are all a part of a connected organism um, that we can't see and can't fully describe or know. Um, and I think a lot of our time is spent in our mind rather than inside the energy that is much more powerful and much more knowing than what our mind could possibly do. So, Miguel just gives us an opportunity to step up to the edges of what we think is possible and give us opportunity for expansion.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I, that, I don't know. I'm getting chills right now just hearing <laughs> that. <but> <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> So you were talking about toltec as well. And not, what was the other word that you used when we were speaking earlier?
2: Um, it, it's called Nagual. Um, Nagual is, a, you know, if you look it up on Google, it, it says all different things. But when I was studying directly with Miguel, he would call himself a Nagual. And I, people have called me that. And I think everyone is that. I think that it is the space that lives in between the words and I feel like the truth doesn't have words attached to it it's it's a it's not a place necessarily we have to go it's actually already within us all of us we just have to move out of the way of the thoughts to get to it it's literally right there and 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 that there's nothing actually wrong with us or broken there's no guru that's going to fix the thing because it's literally right there the Nagwal is who you actually are and, it, and it's silent, it's like silent knowing. I don't know how else to describe it because we're using words, but it's like <laughs> the it that we are all seeking basically. And it's already right here.
0: And we're, it's hidden in plain sight. Exactly. Not, not really in plain sight using our eyes, but in I guess in, in the sight of our body or our emotion or energy that we feel.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that one way to access it is to move your, your attention from your thoughts down to your, the energy coming from your heart. And when you can just move your attention there for a minute, there is a buzzing there that when you practice that more often than not, it becomes life affirming and it brings me to tears because it feels so good there and that's the feeling of the nagual as well at least my experience of it and all of us have access to that in some way of that buzz that is ourselves that is not about our story that's that's the deliciousness of living and and that it doesn't come from outside of us it comes from the activity of being here and the expression of love outward so we don't need to prove anything to anyone we don't need to prove anything to ourselves we can just experience the deliciousness of life and it's difficult to do when we're we're taught to and have habits of focusing on our thoughts and doing and producing i mean i'm working all the time it's very hard for me to stop i have to like put systems in place so that i will do the work that brings me back to the truth and back to that energy of my heart but that's that's really i think you know for me everything it's everything
0: yeah, I'm kind of speechless. I'm just kind of taking all of this in. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, a lot of the listeners are, are resonating with this as well. Um, do you, what other forms of um, art do you teach besides the photography
2: with I- your I have a, um, it's art as medicine and and self-portraiture as medicine, which doesn't even mean that you're in the picture because I do believe that any art we make is a self-portrait. So it really is about just discovering yourself through the vehicle of art. And I do lead retreats uh, and they all of my teachings infuse the Toltec wisdom with art practice and looking at how you see yourself and potentially transforming it and and experiencing expansion of who you think you are and what you think is possible so I'm going to Paris in June for a retreat I'm actually writing out the list now of all the places I want to go um, now that we're able to travel a little bit more Um, but that's a big deal for me is to meet in person and to have the energetic exchange and to be able to really connect on a deeper level than just reading something I mean I'm a I'm a person who needs to hear it, see it, do it. <laughs> so I try to create situations like that. And, and, uh, and I do actually do photo sessions with people where I'm capturing their breath and their heartbeat and their dreams, wishes, and desires on one piece of film, which just means that as they're sitting still, instead of creating that 60th of a second, which is like a split, it's, everything's frozen in time. And perfectly sharp. I'm let, literally leaving it open for potentially several seconds or a minute, so that I'm literally witnessing your heart beating. You can't sit still that long, and I'm gathering up the information that we can't see about you, um, creating an opportunity to to have a sacred object, power object that holds the intention, that holds the things that you that no longer serve you, and that and and you're marking a moment. Uh, that reminds you of the things that you let go of, because I think it's easy to pick those things back up. But it's a reminder of all the intentions that you bring to that moment. It's pretty emotional, actually, when we go through that portrait session. Um, But I love doing that with people, too. I do a lot of things. (laughs) I hear you. I
0: hear you. As long as they align with your passions, then you're okay. It doesn't really feel like work, but, you know, helping others do the same thing. Like you were saying, um, being reminded of the stuff that you let go. And just like an addiction on that point, it's just, uh, you have to remind yourself you let that go for a reason.
2: Yeah, Um, we get into a habit of, we're going down a bunny trail of our thoughts and we don't even realize it. We're not awake to it until we're awake to it. So I like wear jewelry that reminds me to wake up. I have artwork that reminds me to wake up. Like, where are you right now? Hello, are you here? You know, like, what is your, where's your attention? So the photo shoot for me is another way to create that object that will remind you of who you really are and what you've decided about yourself.
0: Nice. I never
2: really thought about it like that
0: um, or putting up the artwork in the to to remind you of where you're at. And I guess it's in the same um, path as like a vision board and having that available to you um, in the iPath. That way okay. Yeah, wow. exactly. exactly. All right. So you had, um, you had, you've started a foundation as well on top of all this, <laughs> <laughs> right? And that is a foundation to help somebody close to you, your son. Yeah. So yeah. How, when did you start that and how is that going and, and what is some advice on, on starting foundations for?
2: Well, it, it, it's an interesting ongoing thing because it, it actually we haven't done a test yet of the class, the first class. I literally have the board in place and I literally wrote a list down of new people that are his teachers but I'll I'll give you the background really quick. I have a 12-year-old son who has down syndrome and uh and and I'm I'm wanting to have classes all over the world that teach kids with down syndrome how to use cameras for self-expression. But I also want to teach people in recovery the same thing like me. So, it's going to be It's going to expand into different kinds of classes for different people that have been marginalized, but we're starting with people with Down syndrome and mostly to give them that gift, but also to teach other people that people with Down syndrome aren't just one thing. They're not just the stereotype that most people think they are individuals with a unique point of view. And it's very important for me, I feel I've been called to to express that in some way to help educate the world because I didn't know that until he was born. I didn't know much. Most of us don't. So it feels exciting to be able to have it be twofold where I'm giving them a gift of, of expression, but we're also giving the world a gift of potentially tearing down an old paradigm. And I can't say that starting a nonprofit is easy when you're busy like this too. And during the pandemic, everything basically, came to a screeching halt. Um, so I literally, like I said, was writing a list down of, of next steps so that we can get the ball rolling because we'd need to teach people how to then teach people with Down syndrome. And that's its own particular thing based on each individual's way of learning and their, their developmental strengths and weaknesses and how to reach everyone where they are, instead of just having like, we're going to give you a camera, have fun, like really, (laughs) you know, helping them. Support them and and growing. I didn't I didn't learn very well in the typical school structure, um, so I have a lot of empathy for different differently abled people, but also different learners. So that's really key for me. So it feels easy. I'm just going to do a thing about art with kids with Down syndrome. But really, I have to learn how to teach typically developing adults what it means to teach. Uh, all different abilities how to use a camera so that's a whole other puzzle
0: and the camera itself is is tricky sometimes too <laughs>
2: when you up, when easy like maybe everybody just has an iphone like how how can we make it easy for people that can't see well or can't use their hands as well or you know taking into consideration what's possible for each person nice all of that and- How long have you been, uh, you
0: said you started it last year?
2: Well, no, it's been this ongoing in my brain kind of thing for years. I um, I think I started thinking about it when he was like five years old. So it's been slow and steady. He started going to a school that really helped change his life. So there are people from that school helping to advise me on how to maneuver in a way that's actually helpful for everybody involved so that I'm not just putting out the, we exist, send us money. Like, not... <laughs> you have to prove that you're doing something first. and then <laughs> exactly. exactly. So that way. Uh, I, I don't know if I want it to be an actual place or a system of teaching that we bring around the world. So it's still okay. uh, in the concept phase. It exists and we're still working on what, what it's, what's going to be best to serve the globe rather than just locally yeah understood I can definitely relate to
0: that as well but I mean just taking that first step and then finding out that that next um pebble or stone to step on
2: (laughs) yeah exactly what did I just say I wanted to do (laughs) yeah there you go you got it (laughs) yeah exactly awesome well, um,
0: thank you, Catherine, for coming on and sharing your stories and insight. And is there anything else that you would like to add or share with the audience um, that may be struggling with, with personal um, addictions or?
2: Um... Yeah, all the things. I... <laughs> yeah, all the things. <laughs> I think all of us are recovering from something. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol related but we've all suffered in some way and have some sort of trauma, t, big T or little t trauma. Um, and, and I think we all suffer from, a most of us suffer from a, a feeling of terminal uniqueness, like nobody could possibly understand our pain, but I think there are avenues to expressing it that will help find connection. And I think connection is everything, like speaking it or making it in art or finding other ways to express that truth will open up doorways to connection that lead to really extraordinary experience of life. I think that that's the last thing I'd like to say is just that it is possible to have a different experience of connection and of living. It is possible.
0: Yeah. Indeed it is, indeed it is. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you personally,
2: how would they get a hold of you? I am Obsessed with Instagram at the moment. I am reachable on Instagram. I'm at C just, and my website is just my name, Katherinejust.com. And I think those are the two best ways to reach me. Okay. Are you on Facebook as well? I am, but it's, it's not as consistent, but I am, I am there too. Catherine just photography.
0: Okay, perfect. Perfect. And again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, really enjoyed our conversations and uh, you know, Anybody in our audience, if you have questions for us or Catherine, please just reach out to us at pivot180weeklyboost at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us this week and we will catch you next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, US.
2: Talk to you later. Ciao for now.
0: (laughs) Join us now for a meditation from Spencer Jones of Overcoming Obstacles.
1: Hey, thank you so much for joining me in this meditation. This meditation is going to be a little bit longer. I would say probably eight to 10 minutes or so. We'll see. Um, And in any case, this meditation, we're going to focus on looking at something we're struggling with, right? So maybe an obstacle that you are going through right now or a difficult time, difficult moment. We're going to take a chance to look at that, dissect it uh, in our meditation. So first and foremost, find a comfortable position for you wherever that is, and just be relaxed. Close your eyes, start to breathe in through your nose and out through your nose or mouth. With each breath, relax your body. Release any tension or stress you feel. Calm your mind. Bring your mind's focus to your breath. Don't worry about other sounds or thoughts that come in. Just acknowledge that you heard them or thought of them. And then come back to your breath. To find that state of calm, a quote unquote Zen state, where you feel comfortable and easy. In this place, you feel safe and comfortable. It's a place where you can try new things. You can look at difficult things and feel comfortable there. You don't feel intimidated. Instead, you almost feel grounded, stronger just by being there. So while you are in that place, breathing nice and gently, feeling that energy, that calmness around you, I invite you to bring in an obstacle, something you're struggling with right now. Bring that in, into that place. so you can see it, so you can observe it. But you don't get emotionally attached to it. It's as if you put a coffee cup in a room. You can see it, you can look at it. But you're not emotionally invested in it. So you see that struggle, that obstacle. With every obstacle, it's a chance for you to learn and grow. So I invite you to crack open that obstacle and pretend that you are a scientist. A scientist that dissects these obstacles to look at them. To see how you can learn and grow from it. What is it trying to teach you? If you start to feel emotionally attached, that's all right, take a step back. You can even lift that obstacle out of there, like you would take the coffee cup out of the room. You can remove it and remove its energy from your place. And when you're comfortable, you can bring it back. you're comfortable now, keep digging, keep seeing how you can learn and grow. Take what you have learned. Take the the teachings from that obstacle. Keep those with you in your heart. And then remove, take away that obstacle. Imagine you holding it out in your hands as rain starts to fall. And the rain falls on that obstacle, melting it, and it rains so much that it causes the whole obstacle to melt, leaving you feeling lighter, cleaner, energized, because you have the teachings, you've learned from it. Now, the weight of that obstacle isn't yours. You don't need to have that anymore. Let the rain wash it away, leaving you feeling lighter, stronger, and ultimately wiser. Now come back to your breath, to that place, feeling that love, feeling that calmness. Take two nice, deep breaths there. your toes and fingers, reawakening your body. When you're ready, open your eyes and join us again. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in that one. I personally thrive on visuals to see the obstacle right and in front of me even in my meditation how can i see it in front of me and then dissect it so i can learn from it and i try to do it with many things whether it's an obstacle whether it's my emotions or tough time whatever it is and i find for me personally that really helps me learn and grow so i can always be at my best thank you for being here and joining me i hope this meditation helped you Keep coming. Keep joining us, whether it's for meditation, whether it's for workout, breath work, whatever. We are here for you. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Have an amazing day.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into Pivot 180 Weekly Boost. You can always catch newer episodes on our Pivot 180 Weekly Boost Facebook page at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time, U.S., if you have any questions for us or our guests, please feel free to reach out to us at pivot180weeklyboost at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Y'all stay safe and take care.